According to the definition, I can see you standing there at the corner of my and eye. And we're back with and the Crossroads Music Podcast for another week where we talk about music and ramble on about complete nonsense. And with me, my co-host on location, Mr. Eric, how are you doing? Pretty good, my friend. How are you? Uh, pretty good. There you go. That's better. Um, so actually, the audio is sounding pretty decent. You're on an iPad right now, right? Yes, I am. I'm on an iPad. I'm, I'm in Kelowna right now. So yeah, I've been drinking tons of wine. Today, so. <laughs> okay, so whatever you say today is going to be complete nonsense, I assume. Yeah, there's no filter right now. <laughs> <laughs> um okay cool so before we start uh miguel you're in chat right here uh thanks for the for the subscription right off the bat as soon as we start streaming uh hopefully you're doing well um and yeah i think we're, we're just gonna go into it i think we're just gonna talk about what we've been listening to this week uh eric any anything notable that you've been listening to well, we touched. Uh, well, you touched upon this in the last podcast. <laughs> I actually sat down for the drive here, actually, because uh, Julia really loves Taylor Swift. So we listened to the whole Taylor Swift album front to back. Uh, she fell asleep in the car, but I actually got to listen to the album. Uh-huh. And I agree with you, man. This is pretty. This is a pretty dope album. I know, right? I went in with like I remember you saying it it's going to probably be the best album of 2020. And uh, I I went in with the expectation, I'm just going to listen to it as just an album. I'm not going to take any of the criticism you took me. I'm going, I'm going to try to listen to this with an unbiased opinion. And uh, I got to say, there's a bunch of songs on here that I, I really like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, honestly, like the third track, uh, American Dynasty, or it's a longer title than that. Jesus. unbelievable yeah Such the last concept. great american dynasty yeah um, oh that's why my camera's falling you keep talking while i fix this camera because yeah it's actually i falling. just the way the song comes together and and even the lyrics of the song so i don't know what the song's about but i'm, I'm pretty sure i can guess kind of get an idea um but it's just a well-written song uh i even enjoyed the song august i thought that was a pretty cool tune and uh betty uh, the song about it sounds like her friend in high school or when they were 17 or something and then I guess she kind of did her wrong and uh, but that was kind of a cool folksy tune yeah. which is interesting enough uh, it's number one right now on the country music radio and on is the it? island on Vancouver Island it oh wow nonstop. But I don't think it's a country song. I think it's more of like a folksy Bob Dylan kind of song. Yeah. It's the one with the harmonica. Yeah. If you remember that. But uh, but yeah, overall, I, I'm actually I enjoyed this album pretty good. And the tune with Bon Iver is pretty nice too. Oh, um, and his voice, that deep yeah. voice kicks in. It's just like holy crap, what happened? Like it came out of a left field for me. I was so surprised. Yeah, and and their voices complemented each other very well in the song. Yeah. I thought. But yeah, the album Folklore, oh my lord, it's so good. And oh, actually there is some there's I was going to I was going to skip over the the news uh for the week because we did there wasn't anything notable. However, now that you brought Folklore up. Uh so there is a um there is I believe it's a clothing company, some sort of uh fashion apparel company. 
that's run by an independent independent african-american lady i think and it's called folklore (laughs) oh really yeah so um and also the font that they use on taylor swift's like uh, merch stuff for folklore very similar interesting so you know how we've been talking about lady antebellum like every single week and how this is how you fuck up pr like this is not what you should do the exact opposite (laughs) right yeah uh so for whatever reason taylor swift just does it right again so she reached out to this like company made a donation to the company and changed her merch to say folklore album instead of just folklore or whatever it was wow and she made made like a public apology my camera's still falling um and like and then the and then the the lady who owns the the clothing store is just like thank you for all this uh, and uh go support taylor swift because like you know we we patched things up and everything's cool now like legit it's like i mean this is how you do it right like you can't be expected to like do a hundred percent of your research and know every single company like out there, right? But like yeah, when you do well, find out, you have to make amends somehow. Oh, exactly, and it just shows that she's a really good business woman as yeah. well. Yeah, right. Like yeah. that's incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. Uh, Joe in chat, how's it going? Uh, welcome, welcome to our podcast. We're just. We're talking about uh, music, just in general, just rambling on. Hope everything's good with you. Actually, we're no longer in introductions anymore. We're just talking about uh, things we're listening to. Greatest album of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm tempted to uh, put down Folklore as best album of the year so far. I I don't know. I can't. It's gonna be hard to top that for me, even though this is not the genre that I'm normally in. Um, man, this, the album is just that good. Yeah, it it's unreal. And if you don't like Taylor Swift and you don't believe us, just go out and listen to it. It's not what you expect it's gonna be. Yeah, this is not a bubblegum pop album that you would no. typically associate with Taylor Swift. At least the the more recent stuff. Yeah, this exactly. Is like completely different. T Swift makes me feel things. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that yeah, folklore, <laughs> such a good album. I just like I'm still listening to it this week, actually. Like I, uh, between the album that we're going to talk about later on, uh, it's been like back and forth between that album and Taylor Swift's album. That's such an interesting mix too, <laughs> because yeah. yeah, you'll you'll all see. Stick around and you'll see what album we're we're actually focusing on this week. Yeah. Uh, okay. Other than that, have you been listening to anything else? Uh, that's about it, man. Uh, I haven't really had time to listen to anything else, but uh, but definitely I, I I put that on priority just because of the last podcast. I, I really wanted to listen to it, so I've listened to it a lot of like a few times, and again, it's just it's incredible. Yeah, honestly, like I'm sure it's going to fall down my rankings uh, as time yeah. goes by, uh, but right now it's honestly in my like top ten albums of all time. I'm mm-hmm. sure it'll drop out at some point uh, with other albums, but it's just so good. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so if there's nothing else that we've been listening to, because uh, as typical, I don't, <laughs> I don't listen to anything new. <laughs> I just listen to the same old things that I listen to. 
let us move to the next next section, and we're just going to talk about uh, today in history. So today is August third, two thousand twenty, um, and we're just going to go back in time and see what else happened on this day, uh, on August third. Uh, so uh, first thing, this one this one's pretty interesting, I think. Uh, but I don't know, Eric, if you're a fan. Of, I, I assume you're a fan of this guy. Uh, but 1926, Tony Bennett is born. Oh. Anthony what? Dominic uh, Benedito in Astoria, Queens, New York. Hmm. Tony Bennett is just a classic. Like, yeah. he's kind of like, you know, he's got that Frank Sinatra vibe kind of thing. And, and he's played with everyone. Yeah, he has played with everyone. It's like ridiculous. everyone has some point in their career has made an album with Tony Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tony Bennett. Yeah, he is like a like a Frank Sinatra character, a little bit less uh, mafia type, but yeah. Um, but he's got that suave kind yeah, of he does ness to him, right? Yeah, it's just impressive that he's like been doing it for so long, right? Oh, it's insane! Like I, I can probably. I feel like he has more albums than anybody else. Yeah, he puts out a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's like, oh, hey, um, Michael Bublé, you want to do an album? Done. Yeah. You know, Christina Aguilera, you want to do an album? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, skipping 20 years, 1946, John York, bass guitarist for The Birds, is born in White Plains, New York. Ooh. And The Birds are an interesting interesting band because i think they're a precursor for a lot of things right like jimmy yeah. page eric clapton that's really sort of the birds to me don't have um i guess a signature song but they have mm -hmm. uh they were the, the the initial starting grounds of a lot of legendary musicians oh yeah a hundred percent uh and then skipping i think fifth i, I can't do the math 1963 <laughs> Mr. James Hetfield of Metallica is born in Downey, California. Ooh. Yeah. James, man, James Hetfield honestly is, with, without James Hetfield, like, metal as we know it today would not exist. Like, Metallica's yeah. impact on just the genre itself is just absolutely mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's... Well, I I feel like they're the biggest known band, yeah, in in that genre. Like any, but even people who don't like metal, yeah. or like they know who Metallica are. Yeah, and Jim, James Hetfield is just a ridiculous guitar player. Like his rhythm skills is just like off the charts as a rhythm oh, guitar player. They're crazy. They're unreal. Yeah, I I remember trying to, you know, I, there was a point in my guitar playing <laughs> when I was learning that I was like, you know what? I'm going to really lock down the rhythm guitar section part. And that's when I started listening to a lot of funk stuff. And I was actually listening to a lot of Metallica because just because of uh, James, like he was just, you know, he's got a unique style to his rhythmic playing. Yeah. Uh, cool. 1968, five years later, the doors hit number one in America for the second and last time uh, with Hello, I Love You. Uh, reaches uh, number one on Billboard. Wow. Uh, they stay there for two weeks. So I don't know. For the I, I I get that Jim Morrison dies at an early age, but for me the Doors they only had two number one hits in their whole career, 
and we still like talk about them. Yeah. They're like, for some reason they're this like legend band. Yeah. But like, I like the doors. I don't mind them, but I don't think that they're at the status that, you know, yeah, they're they're part of I think the cultural, the cultural movement rather than the musical like uh, legacy that they left. They just got in at the right time. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jim Morrison obviously super talented and the his lyrics are very like deep if you if you look uh, into into the songs, uh, but in terms of like output for the Doors, there isn't much to like draw upon. Yeah. Oh jeez, Mike. Doors are trash. Oh no. I mean, that doesn't count towards the uh, controversial statement counter because it has to be Eric or myself that says it. Yeah. Uh, but if one but of he us. He looks exactly like Val Kilmer, though. Does he? I guess he sort of does. Totally. Well, yeah, if, totally. like long, long when... hair, long curly hair. Have you, have you seen that movie? Which movie? The movie about the doors. Is, does Val Kilmer play? Val Kilmer plays him. <laughs> James Morrison, yeah. And I was like, I was. It was a moment where I was like, huh, they look exactly the same. <laughs> uh, and I'm talking about young Val Kilmer, not fat Val Kilmer. Yeah, today Val Kilmer looks crazy. Yeah, same with Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe lost it too, but that's a different. That's a completely different topic. <laughs> I have not seen today Russell Crowe in a long time. I still picture Gladiator uh, Russell Crowe. Oh, picture Gladiator, but you know, three hundred pounds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe trash is a little aggressive, but I do think they are overrated. I mean, Eric, you did say you think they're slightly overrated. Is that? Do we consider I, that I, controversial? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's controversial because I think you're right. I think the reason why they're at, at that legend status is because of that movement. But I feel like if once that movement was in place, I feel like if they came out, they would just be just, a, you know, one of those indie bands that kind of just didn't even make the surface. Yeah. 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 I'd agree with you on that. Uh, okay. 1971. <laughs> Ringo stars. It don't come easy is certified cult. Can we talk about Ringo Starr for a bit? Because honestly, I don't know why why we pay attention to Ringo Starr. <laughs> that is a controversial statement. Fine. But I agree Fine. with you, Cam. I agree with you. I don't Fine. think... I think that Ringo Starr is definitely... Like, if he wasn't in the Beatles, I think the Beatles would still be as big as they were. <laughs> uh, I just remember that John Lennon quote where someone asks... Um, how good Ringo Starr is or something like that. And John Lennon's response is, Ringo Starr isn't even the best drummer in the band. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Which is so that, rude. It's that just so rude. right there, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, like, I, I just don't know why he's allowed... I mean, he's a Beatle, I get it, but we don't but afford... You know, is he really? But we don't afford that like type of status to all drummers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh... I I I've always wondered because, like you said, I, he's everybody pays attention to him. But I feel like in that shift in that time era, because the Beatles were very like promoted, right? They were mm-hmm. always like, you know, let's let's play those live. But that was the time period, right? Yeah. Um, when those bands were out 
But I feel like if they were making it big, they probably would have made it big later on in their career. And they probably would have ditched Ringo Starr because they're like, okay, like we, you're using you at the beginning, but now you're trash. But because they were using them as an icon and it was like a package mm. deal, like I feel like that's why he stuck around. Yeah. Right? But at that time when it shifted towards playing like, you know, the Stones start playing their stuff and, and you get the Cream and all those bands starting to emerge. If the Beatles started at that time, I feel like Ringo would be less cut after the second album. Like, okay, please. like if Charlie uh, Watt from the Rolling Stones released a solo album, I bet you no one would pay attention. No one would care. I don't even think anybody knows who that is. <laughs> right? <laughs> Obviously, like, musicians know, but like... But you put Ringo Starr's name out, everyone's just like, oh, we need to go see him, even though yeah. he's not like that good. We need to see him play the most basic 4-4 time. <laughs> just, that's all we need to do. Yeah, like you Rod- might as well take, here's a controversial statement. Oh, you might as well take a drum lesson. Go to go to Cosmo Music or, or Longa McQuaid and say, I want to learn a drum lesson. Like, I want to learn drums. Yeah. And then picture Ringo Starr teaching you how to play the basic beat that that is the essential of Ringo Starr right there and just pick one lesson and leave there you've seen Ringo Starr play (laughs) I don't know how to summarize that into a controversial statement uh basically Ringo Starr is trash right that's that's basically what I'm saying (laughs) that's basically what you're saying (laughs) like I feel like Meg White from the white stripe oh shit could play honestly i might agree with you on that one meg (laughs) white might be a better drummer than ringo star that's actually possible Mm -hmm. it totally (laughs) is that's 100 percent possible (laughs) okay i'm gonna change the ringo star is trash is meg white is a better drummer Drummer. than ringo star (laughs) There you go. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just I just don't know what the obsession with Ringo Starr is. Like, he wrote two songs, right, in the Beatles? Octopus Garden yeah. and I think uh, maybe just one. I think he only wrote Octopus Garden. Which is a good song. I like the song, but... <laughs> If it wasn't in their catalog, I don't think anybody would miss it. Yeah, it's nonsense. It's a nonsense <laughs> song also. So, like... Uh, anyway. Oh, that's funny. Anyways, that's that's Ringo Starr. 1971, August 3rd, it don't come easy as certified gold. That was the whole point of that. <laughs> uh, staying with, uh, I guess, the Beatles theme uh, on this... <laughs> I just realized this. It's the exact same day. So, Ringo Starr... Uh, basically releases an album and it's got certified gold on august 3rd 1971 on the exact same day paul mccartney has to outshine him and <laughs> and announces that he's putting wings together <laughs> wow <laughs> just to like completely overshadow ringo star he announces that <laughs> that himself his wife uh denny lane and denny swewell are put are forming uh wings yeah mic drop (laughs) bye Ringo uh did they hate each other uh this is 1971 the Beatles broke up in 1970 so yeah I assume they did 
It's only one year since they broke up. I feel like their whole career, they all kind of resented each other in some way. Yeah. At some point, and it was just building up and building up. So I feel like, hey, you never know. The wings may have been created, just like you said, as just a, (laughs) hey, you think that's great. Where you go, well, I'm going to create a band because I hate you so much that, (laughs) you know. Um. Okay, anyways, uh, moving on. Three years later, Bad Company's uh, debut album, Bad Company, hits number one. Um, Eric, you familiar with Bad Company at all? Uh, yep, yeah, I've listened to, to most of their stuff. They're okay. a pretty good band. Yeah, for me, Bad Company never really hit my radar all that much. I mean, I think Roger, what's his name? Roger, the lead singer. Is it, uh, oh. Uh, Is it Roger? Roger Waters, Waters, Waters that sounds familiar no yeah no, roger, roger waters uh, yeah I, that might be the guy from pink floyd oh yeah that's right that is the guy <laughs> from pink anyways uh oh miguel says what roger waters so uh that must be right um <laughs> anyways uh he is a phenomenal paul rogers paul rogers paul. uh okay there you go uh phenomenal singer and he's the one who uh took over for freddie mercury for a few years in queen uh, after Freddie died, uh, but to me, Bad Company re- never really like hit the spot for me. I always felt I, I was never compelled to go listen to them myself. Yeah, they, they kind of there's there's other bands in that genre to kind of listen to. They they I, I would consider them falling under like the southern rock kind of realm. Mm, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, I they're good, but they're better bands to listen to. <laughs> Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, five years later, guess what? Guess what hits number one on Billboard chart? My Sharona by the Knacks. Oh, My Sharona. <laughs> that song. I actually like that song. To be honest, these guys are that like is... definition one hit wonder. But I actually like that song. Yeah, that's a good song. It, it's played everywhere you go still. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. Uh, so that song was an overnight sensation. Uh, but their fall from grace was almost as rapid. Uh, they were attacked by critics as cynical fakes. <laughs> <laughs> so this was basically their only like their only song. Oh wow! Yeah, they never really did anything after that, or anything successful, anyways. Okay. Um, okay, moving on. Eight years later, uh, very relevant f- uh, from last from last week's podcast. Uh, Hysteria by Def Leppard is released. My negative 100. The greatest band in the world, Kim. No, worst band ever created. My minus negative 100 out of 100 album. <laughs> that was funny. If you guys missed it, go check out the last podcast from last week. Where we you, you can watch us rip the album into shreds. Yeah, one of the top 20 best-selling albums of all time, and we just absolutely hated it yeah <laughs> yeah we i don't think we made it clear enough though Kim, <laughs> how much we hated we the just want to like pile more onto it i feel like we've done our our due diligence <laughs> yeah, let's not open that can of worms again uh okay uh here here's one you'll like 1994 Willie Nelson announces that after 14 years, he was now square with the U.S. taxman. 
Nelson's tax bill had been as high as $32 million, but was finally settled for $16.7 million. To help, no pay the, way. to help pay the debt, the IRS had auctioned some of his properties. As well, Nelson made an album called Who Will Buy My Memories? The IRS Tapes. <laughs> Thirty-two million dollars he owed to the government in taxes. Holy crap! <laughs> well, I, like I mean, he is a granola cruncher, right? So he doesn't believe in tax taxes. So, <laughs> but that's a lot. That is a lot of money. I know. Like, how much do you have to earn to owe thirty-two million dollars to the government? Well, do you really think that he's going to pay that? <laughs> Well, he settled. He's paid them 16. 16. We'll meet in the middle. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, he had to, they had to auction off a bunch of his properties, and they, uh, they, uh, he had to make an album just to pay his taxes off. <laughs> really oh, nice. that would suck, though. You make the album, and then all that money, all that revenue probably goes into yeah. paying the the irs <laughs> uh, willie nelson i still love willie nelson but like oh my god i think god. he's a great guy i think he's a great guy some but of he's his, a total yeah yeah total granola cruncher his, some of his life choices are questionable yeah uh okay um exactly same day 1994 um sorry same year uh, 1994. Cheryl Crow releases her debut album, Tuesday Night Music Club, on AM Records. Do you remember yeah. this album? Um, is this the, this is the one with uh, If It Makes You Happy, I believe, or is that that is that the second album she came out with? Uh, actually, I think that is on the first record. Yeah, um, it's a good record. Yeah, it I... won it won a bunch of Grammys when it came out. I think it won New Artists. Definitely, actually, I'm not sure if it won New Country or not, or sorry, Country Album of the Year, uh, but it won like a lot of Grammys when it came out, uh, and I think Cheryl Crow was pretty young when this album came out, which is like super. Yeah, surprising. she was. Yeah, she was like, I want to say twenty. I think she was younger than that. Oh really? Yeah, I think she was like way younger than that. Uh, so what I remember from this album is that uh, she wrote. All the songs, I think, with a co-writer at the time, uh, mm-hmm. and the whole record is done with like session musicians. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Helena, how's it going? All I want to do was the first album uh, by Cheryl Crow. No, her first album was Tuesday Night Music Club, which came out on uh, today, but uh, 1994. 1994. I don't know. For me, for Cheryl Crow. Um, uh, all I want to do. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was on that first album, possibly, maybe. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not like a huge Cheryl Crow fan. My problem with Cheryl Crow, like, I think, it sort of became generic. Like that first album was very like strong, mm-hmm. but I can't. I don't know. I don't feel like there were any like significant songs that she came out with especially that sweet child of mine cover was so freaking cringeworthy i hate that cover <laughs> yeah i'm not a fan of that i actually like cheryl crow because she's played with a lot of blues musicians in the blues world um uh, she has a song on her this is i want to say new but it's not really new 
but she played with Doyle Bramhall, who's one of my favorite guitar players. And uh, I think it's called uh, Sunshine or something like that. It's it's a really good, it's a really cool bluesy tune. But I, I agree. I feel like her music is pretty much the same. Yeah. Like the albums are pretty much the same. Uh, I like some of the hits, but she, I think she's got an unreal voice. But that being said, I did listen to, I think it was two years ago now, she released a live album, and she was out of tune the entire album. No. It was, it was actually, I couldn't listen to it. I couldn't listen to it. I had to turn it off. <laughs> so Really? But, uh, yeah, but I feel like she's a good guitar player. Like, she's played with, like, every single person in the blues world, like anybody. She's always invited to Crossroads Festival. Uh, yeah. But... But yeah, I, I agree with you, but I, I don't mind. What would you do? Let's say someone, some rich, uh, I don't know, record company was like, okay, we're going to give you a bunch of money and we're going to record you live at a live show. And you're not tuned, in tune the whole time. And you listen to it in, in the studio and you're like, oh shit, this sounds like hor- like shit. Would not you, coming out with you, you would completely slash it, right? Yeah, well, why would you? Because yeah. usually, like a live album, like when it comes out, it's pretty damn good, right? Like if, if you look at most live albums that come out, like um, the ones that I can think of at the top of my head, there's Stevie Ray Vaughan one playing uh, someplace in Austin, Texas. There's uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers in live uh, Hyde Park. Eric Clapton's mm. Unplugged, yeah. right? They're unreal. Because because then you're you're hearing the songs that you like, it's almost like a greatest hits tape, but live, and they're adding stuff to the songs yeah. that they don't usually do, or they'll have a jam out at the beginning, or or you know Clapton will shred a crazy guitar solo on a classical guitar, right? Like I, I and for me, I feel like okay, well if it's gonna be live, okay, let's look at all the shows. I would want to record all every single show and just take the best out of that right the best show that we played that'll be the live album oh shit helena you didn't have to do that thanks for the donation oh my god actually let me catch up a chat uh she was backup dancer for michael jackson sting rod stewart and don henley honestly i would have never guessed that because i don't think of cheryl crow as a dancer (laughs) I, i didn't even know that either that's crazy Oh, backup singer. <laughs> I read that wrong. <laughs> that's that's insane. That makes more sense. That actually that's, makes more yeah, sense. <laughs> that's pretty cool, actually. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for some reason I put dancer in there. Because I saw Michael Jackson. I was like, oh, yeah, he dances. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I did that. <laughs> uh, but yeah I, yeah, I could see that she started off as a uh, backup singer. That's actually well, a pretty good a, pedigree. She has a song with Sting. Um, that she does always on your side. Oh, great, great goddamn tune! It's unsa- it's insane. It's a slower one. I think she plays the piano on there, and obviously Sting plays the bass. Uh, but their their voices really complement each other very well. Mm. But that's unreal. I did not know that. That's a cool. Uh, you know what Cheryl Crow's best song is? What? <laughs> the one with Kid Rock in it. 
<laughs> Picture? Uh, yeah, whatever that song's called. I have no idea. See, my, my favorite's Steve McQueen. Oh, that's actually a good song. That's a cool tune. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I like Picture. I'm joking. I, I, Picture is definitely... Well, it's, it's a good song, but it's definitely not the best song. I feel like she could have gotten somebody else to sing with her for that one. <laughs> no, but you wouldn't get the same hype. Kid but Rock. yeah, you wouldn't get a hillbilly in a fedora, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> oh man uh anyways <laughs> let let's move on uh to something something even more ridiculous two years later 1996 uh the bayside boys uh released the macarena and it goes to number one on hot 100 wow it stays there for 14 weeks you know how infuriating that would be yeah 14 weeks of the macarena at number one <laughs> I would kill myself. <laughs> That's a song you could torture somebody to. <laughs> you just play the Macarena all day long. Oh my god, the Macarena. This is Maybe horrible. I'm going to do that on the drive home. See how many times I can play the song in a four-hour drive <laughs> before I get hit. <laughs> oh, what a horrible song. What a horrible song. Yeah. Uh, oh, going back slightly, Kid Rock grew up with two tennis courts and a swimming pool on his property. Honestly, I didn't know that because, like, he grew up in Detroit, so I just assumed he was poor. Because <laughs> <laughs> he would hang up at, like, all the hip-hop clubs, and he was from Detroit, so I assumed he just grew up in the ghetto. So his whole image is flawed. <laughs> <laughs> He's a poser, <laughs> then. Uh, yeah, well, Kid Rock. He's, uh... Man of many, uh, many illusions. <laughs> uh, okay, skipping over. Uh, August 3rd, 2007, Brian May, guitarist for Queen, hands in his PhD thesis in astrophysics at Imperial College in London, 36 years after quitting uh, to join Queen. Uh, so it took him 36 years from college, starting college, to submitting that PhD paper. Uh, May had been studying the formation of zodiacal dust clouds. I have no idea what that means. Couldn't tell you either. This isn't a science <laughs> podcast, ladies. <laughs> so is that crazy that Brian May is a PhD in astrophysics? That is insane. Because he's definitely like like usually, usually <laughs> a person in a rock band, you know flunked out of high school you know the typical yeah you know stereotype and you know have really no ambition <laughs> in like going into business or like a career right yeah. like yeah music is a career uh but to think that 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 you know brian may has a phd that's crazy <laughs> uh yeah and as helena says uh guitar solos are brainy delicious yeah like Yes, they are. Yeah, his guitar solos are like... I, I can't think of a better guitar player that uses like that phase effect on the guitars. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He just yeah. does it so well. I like how he hits the chord tones mm -hmm. uh, as the chords are changing. Like a, a good example of this is uh, Killer Queen. Oh, such a good song. Right? Just that s guitar solo in yeah. that, yeah. right? Cause, and he's following the chord changes, and it's it's... You know, it kind of makes it feel like it's playing with the song like if you kind of know what i mean yeah 
Yep, yep, yep. For dancing, it kind of like, you know? Yep. Um, oh, same same day, same, or same year, uh, DNA testing on nearly a dozen people who claimed to be children of James Brown revealed that at least two of them were his children. Uh, why was this? Is because his will was being distributed. <laughs> so once once the will was like once he died and the will was brought up, dozens of people just started claiming that they were James Brown's children. <laughs> Which doesn't surprise me because James Brown. Yeah, he was, got around. Yeah, he got around. <laughs> James Brown is is a beast. He's he's probably a machine. Yeah. In terms of funk music and what he generated for that, like yeah. it's so he's so simple. Like funk music is so simple. There's there's hardly any lyrics to them, right? Yeah. And it's all about just the performance and man, could he get a crowd going. Just don't give him a shotgun. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> don't give him a shotgun, no. <laughs> uh, 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 Gwen Stefani files for divorce from Gavin Rosdale, her husband since 2002. Uh, and then she starts dating Blake Shelton after that. Well, there you go. Uh, Eric, which team are you on? Gavin? Team Gavin Rosdale of Bush or Blake Shelton? I think I know the answer to this, actually. Well, I, I got to take Blake Shelton. I like Blake Shelton. I'm, t- I'm t- team Gavin Rosdale. <laughs> really? I know he's a douchebag, and I do realize like uh, there's a reason why Gwen Stefani filed for divorce. But man, mm-hmm. Bush, such a good band, such a good yeah. post grunge band, and I, yeah. I I just think like some of the songs that that Bush put out, especially like Gavin's lyrics, like something like Glycerine, that song. Mm-hmm. That's oh, a great song. I could listen to that all day. That's a great song. And and see, I choose Blake Shelton because I feel like with his country music, he still keeps with that soul of country, like like what I keep talking about in this podcast. But um, yeah, like he's he's very twangy country. Like you feel like yeah. you're in the damn deep roots with him. And, and I think he's he's just a funny guy. Like I would love to share a beer with Blake Shelton, <laughs> hang out with him. Yeah. So. That's why I'm choosing Team Blake Shelton. All right. Uh, and then last last thing that happened on this day, August 3rd, 2019. Uh, so this would have been last year. Henry uh, Belolo, uh, who co-founded the Village People and co-wrote many of their hits, dies at 82. Mm. One of the members of the Village People. Wow. Honestly, I don't, I don't know why the Village People are... Overrated. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why YMCA. I don't know why that is such a big hit. It's I know, like very strange to me. It's very strange. <laughs> I feel like they were one of the members went to the YMCA. Like he probably had a membership, and he probably just started hearing some crazy guy in the swimming pool singing this song, and he's like, "Hey, this would be a cool song." <laughs> yeah, disco was a funny time. Yeah. yeah, disco came out with a lot of weird stuff. I feel like. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, so we're we're done with today in history. Uh, so that was August third. Uh, lots nice. happened. Lots. Uh, so let us move on because uh, we are. Ooh, we're at fifty minutes already. We gotta we gotta get this get this thing going. So we are going to be going on to our 
album analysis portion. Uh, so every every week we do this. Uh, we we choose an album to listen to and review. Uh, so last week we did Hysteria by Def Leppard and we completely destroyed it uh, yes. because we hated that album. <laughs> but this week uh, we've got something that I think we we like a bit more. Uh, this week uh, we decided to go with uh, Black Sabbath's Black Sabbath. Um, so I will give uh, Eric. Do you have any like initial thoughts before I go into the preamble, or should I do the the brief summary? Uh, do do the brief summary. Okay. First, yeah. Okay. So Black Sabbath, the debut album, uh, studio album by Birmingham band Black Sabbath, was released on February thirteenth, nineteen seventy, in the UK, and June first, nineteen seventy, in the US. Uh, just to give you context of the times, the Beatles are technically still a band. At that time, they haven't broken up. Uh, they'll actually break up six months later on April 10th, 1970. Uh, surprisingly, the album uh, Black Sabbath actually reaches number eight on the UK album charts and number 23 on Billboard. Uh, wow. And this album is widely considered to be the first heavy metal album of all time. Uh, this really is the genesis of metal if you want to put like one album uh, to do that. Uh, and then Referring to last week, unlike Def Leppard's Hysteria, which took three years to record and had a huge number of issues with it, this one uh, was actually recorded in a single day on October 16, 1969. The recording session lasted 12 hours and was recorded as a live set. So they all played together at the same time and they just recorded everything. Uh, nice. The only overdubs on the album are the Rain and Thunder sounds on the first track and uh, double track guitar solo on NIB and a double track guitar solo on Sleeping Village. Uh, everything you hear on the record is just straight from the floor. Uh, they only had two days to make the record, so one day was for recording and the second day was for mixing. Uh, Tony Iommi actually recorded the album with a right-handed Gibson SG uh, because his original left-handed white Fender Stratocaster's pickup malfunctioned. Uh, so as a left-handed guitar player, he just picked up a right-handed guitar and used that to record the whole album. Wow. Uh, Reception-wise, uh, so critically, uh, the album received mostly negative reviews. Uh, Rolling Stone <laughs> quotes gave it, uh, just like Cream, but worse. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is a great quote. I feel like that's, that's really that's good. Yeah, that's funny. Um, the Village Voice called it bullshit necromancy, uh, the worst of the counterculture, drug-impaired reaction time, and way too long solos, which I feel like the last thing is not a criticism, but that was... That's just a preference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, most critics hated this album when it first came out, um, but I guess now that we have 1970, so that's... Uh, 50, 50 years, holy shit, 50 years in uh, hindsight. What do you, what do you think of this album? Give me, give me the, um, how you listen to this album and like where you listen to it and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I actually jumped on and cause I haven't listened to most these, like, I haven't listened to Black Sabbath in a long time. Um, I love Black Sabbath. I think they're great. I think this album is unreal. Uh, so I, I decided it was kind of less like a kind of re-listening moment for me. So I put on the studio headphones I have, the Sennheisers, 
and my god the opening song like it just you can just look at the album cover and it just tells the story right with the that opening song right it just gives it that that vibe and uh i don't know this album's just great man <laughs> like <laughs> yeah like i think overview wise actually wh- which version of this album did you listen to so um the u.s version which is this one right here um has uh five tracks on it whereas the european version ended up having seven tracks on it so i listened to the uh u.s version then okay so you had the five track version and then there's like so many different reissues of this thing where they added bonus tracks or whatever but the original u.s one had five and the european had seven uh, yeah. So the U.S. one has an interesting thing where uh, the third track on this album is basically four songs, right? It's Wasp, yeah. Behind the Wall of Sleep, basically, and uh, Nativity in Black, N.I.B. Uh, and it clocks in at nine minutes and 44 seconds. And the last track is three songs put together, A Bit of Fingers, Sleeping Village, and Warning, which is, all, which is a cover song, which I actually didn't realize. And that clocks in at 14 minutes and 15 seconds. So I think in terms of structure, this album is a mess. Like, I don't know why they combine these songs together. Uh, When you just listen to it as like one continuous thing, it all makes sense. But track wise, I feel like they should have really split it up. So I don't know why. I don't know why they did it this way. (laughs) Like trying, trying to get to NIB on a nine minute and 44 second song is a nightmare. If you only wanted to listen to Nativity in Black, it you'd have to skip so much on like a, a vinyl or on a CD player or a cassette. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't make sense why they made it that way, but like, you know, we're, we're both musically inclined. Where I I can can determine that there are four songs in this time in a song, right? <laughs> but but you're right. I feel like if you did listen to it continuously, because because it goes right into each other, kind of doesn't really give you kind of a break yeah which is a pain but uh but but overall i think you're right i think if like i've never listened to the european version but if they are split like that i think the album would just flow so good because i love nib and i found myself skipping (laughs) i did find myself skipping to the to the song so yeah yeah so the european version does split it up but they lose um they lose a few songs. So they lose Wasp. They lose basically, uh, I think they lose Wicked World, which is the fourth track. Like it's a complete different album in terms of like the European, huh. the, the North American versions. Um, but either way, it's I, for me, it, the album itself is a complete mess in terms of structure. But I mean, they did it in two days. So I, I feel like I can forget that. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I think the hallmark of this album, as much as like the whole album is good, I think the first track, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, the song on the album, Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath is really like the cream of the crop. Like you talk about metal music and this is the song that you should point to for like anyone. If anyone wants to know what, like what encompasses metal most I think this song really is a good definition of what it is. A hundred percent agreed. And that's why I wanted to le- listen to it on, because I love, my favorite song on the album is Wizard. Mm. And I think that's my favorite Black Sabbath song. Oh, wow. 
I love the wizard and into the void is my other favorite one. That into they the have, void's good. Yeah. Into the void. Yeah, it's not on this album though. Yeah. Um, but when, when you're listening to black Sabbath and you know, I have the sound canceling headphones on and that just that thunder and rain come in. Yeah. I felt like I was playing like Diablo two. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it was like old nostalgia just coming back. Right. Yeah. Like uh, this out, like I agree. I think this is a great entry for metal yeah if you don't really know much about metal now i know some people nowadays won't consider black sabbath metal i don't know why <laughs> yeah those people are dumb <laughs> but crazy craziness but yeah but this album is definitely a must to listen to if you're getting into metal music yeah for sure i'm surprised the wizard is one of your favorite black sabbath songs that that doesn't even register in like my top 20 black sabbath really songs. yeah <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I like good. it, man. I think it's I think it's a cool tune. It's kind of off off kilter a bit from what they have. It, it reminds me of when War Pigs came out. I thought, oh, this is kind of like the Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> is it? But different. But like, but the the cadence is different. Yeah. But the Wizard. Oh, yeah. that's so interesting that you think that's like. I mean, that that's. That's crazy that you think that's. I mean, it's a good song. It's a great song. It's just, yeah. I would put like Iron Man, War Pigs, um, what else? Uh, Supernaut. Uh, there's like Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Yeah, that's a good tune too. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I would say like because I, I love War Pigs. That's that's another one of my favorites too. So, but I would rank it as the Wizard into the Void sabbath bloody sabbath and uh war pigs and if i had to pick a third i'd pick or fifth i'd pick nib mm. as a fifth because that song is unreal yeah black sabbath just has like i don't know they just wrote so many good songs over their career it's just ridiculous and to come out with an album and record it in 12 hours like you know that this band is good yeah right like how many times have we tried to record songs it takes and days weeks yeah and you're only recording one right <laughs> or maybe two or yeah. three depending on what goes wrong or or what happens right yeah. but they obviously you could tell listening to this album they went into the studio and they were well prepared yeah to record this album yeah it's such like if if i didn't know this was live off the floor Honestly, I would have thought this was like tracked individually, like professionally, like done, like each track was balanced out perfectly. Because this song, this album, honestly, is perfect in terms of a mix. Considering yeah. it came out in 1970, uh, so you don't have like all the technology that you have today to make it sound sort of modern, uh, but it still holds up for today's like standard. Oh, 100% it does. It sounds and so good. I like the live feel of it like if you're recording in tracks you kind of have to go with a metronome but if you're playing as a band together and you can record a live track then it just flows so much better yeah i find yeah because it speeds up slightly it slows down slightly but it's like it but moves, everybody's together yeah it moves with the the section of the song so yeah it's just so good um so yeah i this album i guess i guess we could give it our our ratings at this point uh but uh i 
from a technical standpoint, this album probably gets like a six or a seven out of ten for yeah. me, uh, just because like I think structurally the album itself is a mess. Uh, yeah, individual songs are incredible, um, and it's definitely worth the listen. Like this is to me, this is if you're to ask me like if I want to get into metal, what album should I listen to? This this is probably at the top of my list. Like. You don't get better than this. This this really is the world's introduction to metal because at this time you've got the Beatles releasing like Hey Jude, uh, and you still have Hippie Love going on. This thing was recorded in 1969, so yeah. Summer of Love is still going on. Everyone's releasing like happy go lucky songs on the radio. They're all in major keys, and then freaking Black Sabbath <laughs> just like drops a bomb on everyone and just yeah. like thunder and lightning. And then the like pentatonic like scales every not pent, um, the the tritone at the at the beginning oh, yeah. of Black Sabbath just that evil like sounding chord. It's such a like, it's such a good intro to to the genre in as a whole. You, you listen to it like obviously everybody has phones now. They listen to it on. Look at the album while you listen to the first tune. Just this look at the album art cover and just listen to that first tune with some good headphones or or like a good listening space unreal like it just sets the vibe like it like look at the it, the album's creepy especially yeah. when you listen to the first song you're like holy shit yeah. <laughs> people are just freaking out like you think about at the time i mean i guess elvis was a little bit earlier but like elvis and rock and roll is the devil's music this is like definition of the devil's music yeah this is yeah (laughs) yeah satan's coming for you yeah literally (laughs) and he's not stopping (laughs) uh okay uh your rating on this album overall uh i'm gonna have to give it a 10 out of 10. wow a 10 out of 10 for this album yeah 10 out of 10. god why why i think it's good damn a 10 out of 10 i mean maybe maybe fine maybe a 9 out of 10 just because of like you said the structure of the songs like it is it is kind of a mess put together but if they just would have just came out with it like individually like that's crazy i don't know why the european version is always different from the american version but but i guess it's an exclusive i guess exclusivity um but yeah, I'll give it a nine out of ten then, just because of that. Yeah. Because I I really like this album. This is a really good one. Yeah. In terms of impact, this thing is definitely a ten out of ten, for sure. Uh, okay. So yeah, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, seal of approval from us. Much better than, there you go. Uh, much better than Def Leppard's <laughs> Hysteria. <laughs> a million times, like. Yeah. You know, centuries beyond better. <laughs> uh, Whatever analogy you want to use, <laughs> insert there. Uh, okay, uh, let's let's move on to our final final segment segments, uh, and we always we always end on this um, quote of the week presented by Anthony Kiedis. So here we go. Here here are his lyrics. Sitting in my kitchen. Hey girl, I'm turning into dust again. My melancholy baby, the star of Mazzy, must push her voice inside of me. I'm overcoming gravity. I'm overcoming gravity. It's easy when you're sad to be. It's easy when you're sad, sad like me. 
Eric, Ooh. what song is this? And uh, what the hell is he saying? This is a hard one. <laughs> Sitting in my kitchen. Oh, I'm turning it to again. I'm melancholy. If anyone, if anyone in chat wants to help Eric out to figure out what, what the hell me. this is. Uh, oh, free, Jesus. Feel free to shout it out. This is, yeah. um, I feel like it was a single. I don't know if it was a hit single, but it, I feel like there was a music video for it. Snar. Yeah, I have no idea what the song is. God damn it. Something, something to do with flying. That's my, that's my hint for you. Is it, is it the Zephyr song? No. No, it's not the Zephyr song, no. I'm pretty sure it's off of Blood Sugar Sex Magic, I think. Blood Sugar Sex Magic. I think I think it's off that album. Okay, my, Miguel Pratt says Aeroplane. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it's the song. Okay, I yeah. Think I think it's the bridge. So here you go. Here's here's your chance to redeem yourself. Tell us what he's saying. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is the this is the easy part right here. This is the greatest easy part. <laughs> um. Aeroplane, I'm turning into dust again. I have no idea what this song is about because it, then it has the little kids singing like music is my aeroplane. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I have no idea what this song is about. So he's sitting in a kitchen. He's uh, he's telling. Okay, well, you're taking it literally for what it means. <laughs> he's, he says to his girlfriend, he's turning into dust again. So he's like, you know, getting old. He's getting wrinkly and dusty. Yeah. Uh, my melancholy baby. Uh, I think he's just describing his girlfriend who's depressed. Yeah. Uh, the star of Mazzy must. I have no idea what that means. Push her voice in, inside of me. I'm overcoming. Honestly, this song is about drugs again. Every single time, this song is about <laughs> drugs. He's overcoming well, gravity. It would make sense why he's hearing the little children go, Music is my aeroplane. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, right. The song's called Aeroplane. So, yeah, he's flying yeah. somewhere. He's probably high as a kite on his <laughs> aeroplane. <laughs> oh, my God. Anthony Kiedis. Honestly, how does he get away with this? I have no idea. I have no idea, buddy. Ah, okay. Let, let's let's wrap this up because that that had no impact on my life. Those lyrics like did not do anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oops, I messed up the graphic. There you go. Oh, it looks sort of weird. Oh well, you guys can read that, right? Okay, so uh, on this two, on this podcast, we had uh, two. Two controversial statements, uh, all relating to Ringo Starr. Um, so I think I'm the one who said the first one. I don't know why we pay attention to Ringo Starr. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said that one. Uh, and then Eric uh, said, Meg White is a better drummer than Ringo Starr. That I did. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Those are those are the, the controversial things we said this week. All right. Oh, we're done with talking about Black Sabbath, so let's get rid of that. Okay, so uh, closing, uh, we are we are all done for this week again. Uh, so yeah, thanks everyone for for tuning in. Uh, just just a quick uh, 
housekeeping things. Uh, we will be back next Monday, same time, same place, um, to do this again. Uh, oh, how do you guys do the two webcams at once? Oh, uh, we are currently using Skype. Uh, so Eric is Skyping me, and I am just basically doing a screen capture. Uh, I'm I, capturing Skype itself. Uh, so he's feeding me the video. And uh, I'm on location too. Oh yeah, and he's yeah, yeah, he's on he's on location. He's oh. he's not at home, so he's using an iPad. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, the latency's pretty good actually, surprisingly. Um so yeah, we'll we'll be back uh next Monday, same time, same place. Uh talking about more music, rambling on about other things. I don't remember what the next week's album is, uh, but stay tuned to see what that what we're going to be listening to and, and talking about. Uh, tomorrow on this channel, Taylor will be back. She is adding on an extra stream uh, for music, live music. So she's taking a request, playing some cover songs, playing some originals. Uh, I believe it's the same time here, 10 p.m. EST uh, on this channel. Um, uh, so if, if you have time, tune in for that. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be in chat, so hang out. Uh, and we always have fun there. Uh, but if not, we'll be here next Monday. Uh, so feel free to drop by and say say hi to us um technology is awesome the quality is pretty good yeah i mean wait we, we worked we worked pretty hard on trying to get this correct eric do you remember the first few podcasts we did they were like a complete shit show yeah well well miguel pratt pointed it out to us he said go home try again <laughs> and we did <laughs> i think the second one we were on mute for like 20 minutes and didn't oh, realize. Yeah. we were like streaming for 20 minutes Just on mute talking having a great old time <laughs> yeah. uh anyways uh eric needs to go and drink his face off um yes i gotta i gotta wrap up and, and go to sleep pretty soon so uh <laughs> we will catch everyone next time thanks for joining in and uh Keep on, keep on rocking in the free world. All right. See ya. Mahalo. <laughs>